When I attended my first E3, I was green, really green, still getting used to being a creator in the game's media space and still unsure of my place in it. So when I sat down in the Microsoft Theater all those years ago amongst the best and the brightest in the space, I was notified that we were sitting across the aisle from Jeff Kanata, but I didn't know enough at the time to be starstruck or nervous or anything like that. So I got out of my seat, walked over to him, introduced myself, and asked for a photo. I really wish I knew at the time all of the wonderful things Jeff is responsible for creating and how much I would grow to respect him as a peer in the years to come. Jeff Kanata is the host of many pop culture podcasts such as DLC, The Film Cast, We Have Concerns, and many others. He's a guy who loves loving things. And he loves talking about those things with an exuberance and point of reference that I truly respect as a fellow podcaster. I wish I could quantum leap back to that day at that Xbox media briefing so that when I went over to say hi, I would appreciate the opportunity more than I did at the time. But he's here now with me in the spotlight. Please welcome Jeff Kanata of DLC. How's that mountain life going? It's good. It's, yeah. I mean, we love it here. We really do. Um, yeah, it's going good. I'm, I'm just gearing up for this crazy race uh, on Friday, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared that I jumped in too quickly. So tell me I'm about it. What are, what are we doing here? What's, what's going on? It's called Hood to Coast. It, it, it takes place in Portland, uh, and you, you, you and your team run from Mount Hood to the beach. It's like 200 miles and uh you're in vans and there's six per people per van and one person runs and then the van drives and picks them up next person jumps out of the van runs and you keep doing that oh wow uh, and you go we start at 5 a.m friday and we finish at uh between nine and noon on saturday so it's just it's non-stop there's no sleep it's, it's no way craziness yeah yeah and this is something that you've wanted to do for a while or? Yeah, yeah. This is the 40th year that they've done it. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I was supposed to do it with this these same group of guys uh, the year that I had eye surgery. And it I literally, we I had been training and I was all ready. And it was like two days before I was leaving for Portland when my eye, my retina detached. And uh, I wasn't able to do it uh, and let wow. those guys down big time. I, I completely screwed them because there was two days to go and they were down a person, which is like catastrophic for them. So they had to figure, they had to scramble and it was, I, I felt so embarrassed and it, it was messed up. So fate stepped in and said, Hey, you know, three years later, they had a team again and a guy dropped out and they called me and I get to be the one to come in and save the day. Uh, hopefully, although I'm so not prepared <laughs> for this, I've not been training. So I will see if I survive the experience at all. Has it really been three years since your your eye incident? Yeah, it was 2019. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? And my my mom, the reason I ask is my mom has macular degeneration in both eyes. Mm. So she's had severe um, eye issues. She's been losing her vision for several years. Her mother had it. Uh, so I am just like, you know, waiting for the day that it's my turn. But what was that like? And it was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> truly terrible. It, it, it continues to be terrible. It it, it it's it a pro I mean, prolonged issue. Well, I, I yeah, I now have um, that eye. I have this crazy, wavy kind of broken. There's no straight lines in that eye anymore. Um, wow. So uh, 
yeah, I mean, they fixed it, but it, I can see, which is good. I'm yeah. not blind, which I would have been, but um, it's it's very frustrating. Like I can't, I, I you know, I don't see well in that eye at all. Um, so it's it's yeah, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was a terrible. Right. It was truly terrible experience. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, your your move out to Colorado was was for family. Mm -hmm. uh for for health for just making your life better and did you grow up in in california it's like california been home the whole the yeah. whole stretch so yeah i was... grew up in the bay area and uh and moved uh down to santa barbara for college went to uc santa barbara and then moved to la after that so that's i've only ever oh. sort of slowly moved down the coast of california uh it, as far as I'm, i've I've done regional theater, so I've lived uh, for very short periods of time in different parts of the country, but uh, my residences have only ever been in California. So having weather at all, having any kind of seasons <laughs> or weather to me uh -huh. feels like magic. It just, it feels, it's like something out of a storybook for me. That's, that's the only place I ever saw it was in cartoons and, and right. movies and storybooks and stuff. So is, is it just, is it just wild? Is it like in a kind of like starting over kind of resetting and yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it, it doesn't feel like starting over necessarily, but it's sometimes my wife and I, my wife's also from California. She grew up in Southern California, but uh, it's the first time either of us have lived outside of California. And we both turn to each other periodically and say, can you believe that we live here? We live yes. here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, but it's great. It's been really a positive thing. And, and um, I, you know, there's lots of folks that we meet and run into and, you know, parents of, of our kids' classmates and stuff who are always like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna hate the snow. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna get frustrating. You're not gonna like the cold, all this stuff. And we went through the first winter and my hope is that my opinion never changes because I just loved it. I thought it was yeah. so cool. And, and even like shoveling the driveway, yeah, <laughs> it was, you know, it wasn't fun, but it, it just, it, it felt so interesting and, and magical and, and seeing trees transform. And I just never want to lose that wonder that I have experienced this first year. I, uh, I've, I grew up, I've lived here in Minnesota my entire life. And I've always had that, like that, those, those balancing things of man, wouldn't it be great to just strike out and do something new, something yeah. totally yeah. different and experience i mean i've been places i've traveled and stuff but like what a wild feeling that must be to just like strike out and start a new like plant a new flag but yeah. then also i i am the kind of guy that i love the the changes i love i love having hot summers and then gorgeous autumn and then winter. I mean, winter here lasts. Winter here is brutal. <laughs> winter here is intense. But at the same right. time, it's like I don't know if I could ever do without that seasonal change. Uh, so that's kind of cool that you really have an appreciation for that that you've never had I love before. It. Yeah. I, you know, living in California, especially Los Angeles. Los Angeles, nobody's from Los Angeles. Like you, everybody you meet, mm -hmm. you can just say, "Where are you from originally?" Because right. nobody, you know, everybody moved there, <laughs> and so. For you know the 20 years that I lived in LA, I heard it over and over and over from people like, oh yeah, no, it's cool living in LA, but I miss the seasons. I miss the seasons. I miss the seasons. And I intellectually understood what that meant. You know, I wasn't baffled by the comment, 
but I didn't really understand it until now. And you know, now I go, oh yeah, I get yeah. the the demarcation of time and the, the transitions between the sea. It just it really does change the way you experience a year. And uh, I, I, like I said, I'm like a kid. I every time it snows, I'm on the windowsill, like whoa, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, and we had, you know, we've had these crazy lightning storms here in in Colorado um, the last few weeks, and that I've never experienced anything like that. It's just all new and special. <laughs> What's it like for a guy like you who is very, I mean, your whole career is entertainment based and you were really at the center of that. You were in you know, the hub of where magic happens. What's it like now kind of being, you're still obviously in that industry, yeah. but you're, you're doing it from outside the pocket or just, you know. Yeah. I mean, that part, that's the hard part, right? That was the, that was the hard part is sort of admitting to myself that I was going to give up on a certain number of opportunities, right? There's, there are certain things that I just am not going to be able to do. And that was the hardest admission to myself is, oh, you know, I've gotten to a certain age and I didn't achieve all my dreams and I have to let some of them die. I have to let some of them, I have to let go of, of some of that and, uh, embrace this other life. And, uh, you know, it's that John Lennon quote, you know, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Um, and that is, that's, that's been, that's been rough. I, I've been fortunate that the way I make a living, I can do from here, I can do from anywhere. And I've also been fortunate that I've had a, a number of really cool new opportunities that have still been possible remote or allowing me to travel or whatever. But the truth is that there's just going to be fewer entertainment opportunities for me going forward because I'm not in LA or New York or Vancouver or whatever. Um, so that was, that, I mean, that was a hard realization, not realization, but you know, admission to myself uh, that, uh, but I tell you, <laughs> COVID helped. Right, yeah. You know? Sure. I think, I mean, I'm the, the cliche of the, uh, that we heard all reported all through the news. You probably have other friends that you've, uh, you've heard do this, that, that just kind of realized during COVID that they didn't have to live where they'd been living. And I think if COVID hadn't happened, we would never have made this move. But because COVID happened and everything slowed down anyway, and it was just sort of like, well, life, what is life? What is this life? What is, you know, you have all these hard questions. Um, I think that kind of allowed me to admit things to myself that I may not have otherwise. Kind of like a realigning of perspective and yeah. just what's, um, you know, that's it's kind important. of important. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of part of the reason that I'm doing these chats is over the last, I mean, when COVID happened and everything started shutting down, it was, Looking back on it, it felt like it was right at the culmination of that final E3 that was going to happen. And I had lodging booked, I had airfare booked, like I was ready to go. Yeah. And it was going to be my big year. Like I had, I had things aligned with creators that I knew I was going to work with people and really put my best foot forward for my third time out there. And then boom, COVID happened. And ever since then, I feel like so many 
so many of the people that I uh, interacted with online kind of retreated to their pockets. Like we all mm -hmm. adjusted to our normals and our in our in our you know biospheres of content creation. And I feel like I've lost a lot of connection with folks that I was just ramping up towards. And so I wanted to have these like face-to-face <laughs> -face conversations with folks again yeah. um, to just really reconnect and let people know how appreciative I am of you know their, their friendship or the opportunities that they've given me. And I've had so many phenomenal conversations these last couple of weeks with people that I really respect and admire. And when things do start to open up again, um, do you find your, do you think you're going to adjust again? Like, do you see yourself going back to E3 or going to summer game fest or are you, are you on a different path? Do you think where you're just going to do things your own way? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, no. I have a hard time imagining myself not going to E3, but it's a lot different when it's getting your car and drive an hour to get to E3 than it is, which by the way, should never take an hour from where I was living to get to E3. It was, I say drive an hour, but it, and it really was an hour, but it wasn't an hour away. It wasn't an hour distance away from my house. Very a, close to my house. It was a 20 minute walk, but an hour drive. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, it's a big difference between, you know, driving there and coming back and sleeping in my own bed and waking up and going back to E3, you know, multiple days. Then it is like, okay, well, I get the flight and I get the hotels and I tell the family I'm not going to see them for a week and all right. that stuff. So when push comes to shove, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able just logistically to do it. I'd like to think that I will, but I also feel like a lot of that stuff is already moving to a place where you kind of don't have to be boots on the ground to, to cover it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, the answer is I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I watched um, some of the uh, Gamescom is happening right now and PAX is coming up and I've kind of been watching, I mean, I can't afford to go this year anyway, but I've kind of just been like watching from afar to see like, I I'm very curious to take the temperature on well, how everybody thinks this is going to work going forward because nobody really knows. Yeah. E3 yeah. could come back and like people could be just hungry for that and it could yeah. be fine or it could come back and everybody's like, need it anymore because we're doing all this other stuff um, yeah I, i'm curious i mean I, I was one of the people that uh rang the death knell for for the movie industry during COVID. i was like this is it people the movies are coming out on on streaming services like nobody's gonna go back to the movies and it's like no we want to see maverick <laughs> so badly <laughs> you know yeah and i was like well i guess i was real wrong about that one uh uh you know and top gun is like the fifth highest grossing movie of all time people just like Yes, give us a big screen experience, please. I need it. So it's wild. Maybe you're yeah. right. You know, who knows? It's hard to predict. I think whether people will, like you said, just be hungry for normalcy. And you tackle a lot of different entertainment industries. You do you coverage on the video game industry. You do a movie podcast. You're even into sports now. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, is that all kind of going through flux? I mean, obviously your fan control football thing, that's kind of like a result of everything going to a digital migration, right? Talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it is the marriage of, of live sports and video games. Uh, I mean, very, very, very explicitly, like that's that's the 
That's the intent. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, I hope fan-controlled sports and entertainment continues to be uh, successful and I get to be uh, attached to it. I'm, I'm having a blast working with them. And um, I think the, the product that they put on the field for season two of their football, uh, uh, football league was phenomenal. So much fun to watch. And I think they're just going to get, it, it, if they continue to be able to find an audience and, and get funding and all that stuff, uh, I think they'll be able to do some really cool stuff. They're doing basketball next. Oh, really? Uh, I don't know how, how involved I'll be in that. I hope I am. I really want to. But um, I never thought I'd be calling football games from the booth. Like that is a total dream come true for me. Uh, so it's, that's been a treat, a real delight. I, I, one of those things that I could never see coming, but has been an awesome opportunity. Do you kind of feel, kind of feel blessed? Like, I feel like your career has been a lot of really high marks, but yet constantly changing and doing new things. Um, you had a really great run with the dungeon run. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're always doing, I don't know. You don't sit in one spot, although you do have your longstanding stuff like DLC, like that's a very longstanding podcast, but like, you're yeah. always doing new and different things. Do you just feel like you got kind of a charmed life right now? <laughs> that, I, I, sh I should feel that more. I, I do believe that is the case. Uh, I, and I do believe that the key to happiness in life is gratitude. Um, and I am grateful for for all the things that have happened to me. But uh, I'll be honest with you, Adam, it is uh, all derived from a abject fear of failure. <laughs> <laughs> Always doing something new because I feel like everything will go away at any time. There's no certainty. So I've always got to keep, you know, motivate new work and find new, new, new things to do. If you keep um, spinning enough plates and eventually something's always going, huh? Yeah, exactly. Because everything is, you know, everything can go away in an instant. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, it's always been a, and honestly, it's, it's also because I'm super interested in a lot of things. You know, I, I just, I'm, yes, I'm interested in video games. I'm interested in sports. I'm interested in all these other, excuse me, all these other things. Um, and I've, I have long felt that I would probably have been more successful if I had just picked one thing and super focused on that. Uh, and I just have never been that kind of guy. I, I, I have too many interests and I, you know, I, I, I wanted to be a stage actor and I wanted to be, be a comedian and I wanted to be a, you know, like I, I had all these different things. I just couldn't be content focusing on one. Um, and that has that has uh, allowed my life to be blessed in, in in a lot of really wonderful ways, including being able to do lots of really different things. Which means I'm never bored, and I'm never, uh, you know, I, I always have new stuff to to think about and, and be challenged by. And that is, you know, that's the spice of life. I love that stuff. That's like a different measure of success. Like you could say, yeah, I did one thing and I did it really well for a really long time, or I've got a shitload of stories to tell and I've done amazing things all along the way. That's, that's pretty cool. Like that's, pretty I agree. Cool. I agree. Yeah. Thank Let's you talk. for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you're a guy that talks about, you love loving things. I do. And I want to talk to you about VR because I don't talk to a lot of folks who love VR and I haven't had the opportunity to have a, a broad experience with VR. I'm just, I'm a PSVR owner, but like, mm -hmm. I'm so excited about what's coming and what's next. And you're the, you're the guy, you're the only guy that I listen to or that I watch 
that is talking, is speaking that language to me and very excited about the future of VR. How do you, what, what was it that like got you into that? Um, Cause you're clearly like the guy who's got the, the, the bullhorn who's prophesizing the, the future of stubbornly, VR. Uh, stubbornly hanging on to the dream of VR. Yes. But you're the guy and it's slowly <laughs> happening, right? Isn't it? I believe so. I, I, I'm still bullish on it. I mean, I think it is happening a, a lot slower than I thought it would. Uh, I really thought in in that whatever that was the you know 2014 15 whenever that was that that you know the first Oculus was coming out and and it really felt like VR was going to be the next big thing. I I believed in it and I still believe in it. It's happening a lot slower than I thought it would, um, and I think it had a major hiccup. I think it didn't catch on in the way I expected it to, um, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I do think it is inevitable. I, I just don't think it makes sense for this technology to go away. It, it, we're going to, in the idea, uh, to answer your question, whatever year that was, I don't remember, 2009, 2008, whatever year of E3, I was at E3, and one of the things I like to do at, at any E3 I'm at is, is you should just, find, you know, run into people, bump into colleagues and, and people I know in the industry and, and say, hey, what's the thing? What's the thing? What's the thing I got to see? There's always something that's being shown behind closed doors somewhere or something that nobody knew was going to be at the show or some cool little interesting game that's somewhere that people are like, oh man, you got to see this. And I love finding those. And there was that year, it was, there's this company showing um, a space flight simulator in VR. It's only behind closed doors. It's in a tiny little room. If you can get into it, you got you, ha you got to see it. And so I did. And uh, we were doing the Totally Rad show at that time. And, and Dan and Alex and, and I um, got to see the first prototype of what would be E-Valkyrie. It wasn't mm. E-Valkyrie at that time. It was just an untitled, unnamed space sure. flight simulator. Uh, in a prototype of the Oculus, which hadn't come out yet either. And we, I put put it on and looked down at my virtual body and <laughs> took off, in, in, you know, in, in the spaceship. And I was like, this is the thing that I've always dreamed of. This is being inside a video game. And I grew up, you know, I grew up with Virtual Boy and Lawnmower Man and all these, <laughs> and, and you know, the holodeck on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and yep. all these, all these visions of what it could maybe be. And there it was, working really well and giving me that feeling of being inside the video game. And from that moment on, I've just felt like. We are just, why am I looking at a flat screen? Right. It, it, we are creating 3D worlds. The whole idea is to put me into the experience, even if it's a third person game, you want to be enveloped in the experience. And that's what VR can do. And we've got the tech, we, we are there. It, it, it feels like that. Are there things that you know are still not perfect? Of course. But man, it is it is already very compelling. It is already, I mean, the best VR stuff is so thrilling and so unlike anything on a 2D stream, screen can do. And 
The other thing that I immediately understood, and I think anybody that puts on the headset gets a sense of this, is, oh my gosh, there are new ways to play video games now. There are yep. gonna be new kinds of experiences. And that to me is very thrilling, is this, this new threshold of interactive experiences that just weren't possible on a 2D screen, just weren't, didn't make any sense. And, and so all those things I don't think have gone away just because the tech is a little too expensive and some of the stuff is a little clunky and we don't have the best field of view and the processing power isn't quite there yet. All those things are solvable problems and they will be solved. And we are already at the point where if you put on a, a uh, you know, an, an index and play Half-Life Alex, it's already to my mind, completely transformative, uh, mind-blowing experience. So the fact that that's just the tip of the iceberg, that's just the, the beginning, uh, I, I just feel like, you know, I've said this many, many times, and, and maybe it's a little premature, but I, I've said, I think my kids at some point are gonna think it was weird that dad went through his whole life only playing 2D screen. Like it's gonna be weird for a generation to think, Oh, those old folks just played on 2D <laughs> surfaces. It's a, what? How? Right. It's going to be like us going, oh, you listened to the radio when you were a kid? You know, <laughs> I truly believe that. I think that's what, the way it's going to be. For me, it was it was Astrobot. A couple of years yeah. back, well, a few years back on Extra Life, my brother slapped on a PSVR and fired up Astrobot. And maybe it's because it was so familiar like it was basically mario but it yeah. was it was mario but like you were in that cloud you were the camera right yeah mm -hmm. and i was just giggling and <laughs> laughing like i knew what vr was but i never tried it and having that on my face and playing something that felt so familiar in a completely different way was just like that was it that was it yeah. i i just so Looking ahead, like I'm so excited for next year and PSVR yeah. 2 to see what they do. What's the best VR game you played this year? Ooh, maybe Moss 2. Um, uh, that's That one came out just a few uh, like a month or so ago. Um, Moss 2 is great. And, and yeah. Moss and, and Astrobot are great examples of what I was talking about. A lot of people think VR is just first-person experiences where your hands are your hands and stuff. And those are awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think VR should be limited to that. I, I love those third person experiences. And I still think being inside the thing as you describe it for Astrobot is still better than looking at a 2D Super Mario world or whatever, you know, or Super Mario, you know, 3D world, whatever it is, you, you know, having it be all around you. It, oh, I can see a thing. I can lean forward. I can look and it's behind me. I'm, I'm, my, I'm inside it is to me always going to be superior. The, uh, we, we played Moss too. I actually reviewed that with my son, uh, who's eight now. And watching him play that game and interact with the with, with Quill, the, the lead yeah. character, and lean in and he uses his little controller to high five her and just you know, I get a I get a kick out of playing it myself, but watching my son experience <laughs> that, like it's a real thing in front of him, yeah. and he's just smiling. And yeah, yeah, you talk about the future and what your kids are gonna you know play going up going forward. And 
I love the idea that they're going to get new experiences that we could never have dreamed of at their age. Um, you've you've spoken about how you play. Your son loves Mario. Yes, he's obsessed. He's obsessed. What's it like? What's it like experiencing games that you've been hands on with, but doing it through the eyes of your children? It's so great. I mean, I'm sure you you know it, it is. Uh, it's it's hilarious and fun and uh you know the thing that's crazy is my you know my kid is five he's about to turn six uh and um he believes as as kids that age often do that he is discovering everything for the first time you know so like the dad knows some stuff about that is <laughs> unfathomable to him. You know, it's just a shocking every time when he'll say something and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I did that when I was a kid or or I'll be able to tell him the name of a character or how to warp through a level or whatever it is. Right. And he he's, just blows his mind because he thinks he's the first person to ever discover this, you know? Yeah. Um, and that that's delightful. And, and um, it's, it's neat to me to see the fact that he appreciates these games and and he doesn't care how good they look or you know we we set up the wii and the wii u and he's playing you know these muddy awful i would never mm-hmm. i'm like i can't handle the bad graphics anymore he's just <laughs> loving it he's just eating it up he just he's there for the pure experience and it's all right. it's all the same to him so yeah it's it's been it's been really fun my son uh this is last weekend I had my mom over and my I grew up in a house where we always had a game console. Since I mean, there are stories of my mom letting me cry in my crib because she was playing Pac-Man on the Atari. <laughs> so awesome. we, we always grew up playing together. And this last weekend um, on the Switch, my mom, myself, and my son, three generations, were all playing Mario Kart 64 of all games. Wow. And cool. he had he had never played it. And of course my mom me and my mom have just like a brutal rivalry with that game, <laughs> but but to play that game, which is an ancient game, you know, right. especially by his standards, and he didn't care. Like he just right. loved the experience of going through that together. And you know, it's couch co-op, which is a thing that's almost rare these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing quite like having a child who is interested in what you're interested genuinely, not just yeah. because they're like, oh, I want to be like dad, but like they really really love it uh i've seen my son my son um is a huge horizon fan oh, and cool. so this year we played forbidden west together oh, and just just the experience of going through that together and the the world is so imaginative and just watching him really get into that it's it's wild it's it's totally yeah. wild i'm i'm looking forward to uh as he gets older i i hope you know, I hope we were able to play that stuff together and, and, and I don't I don't want to force it on him and I don't want him to be, I don't know. I, I, but I, I fantasize about like, you know, playing League of Legends or whatever, whatever right. the game is, you know, whatever he's into. I would love to be able to play alongside him. I think it'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope that my daughter gets into it too. She's she's not as as interested uh, right now. She's she's younger, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. Mom, we'll have to twist mom's arm to get involved, but hopefully it'll be a family affair. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm glad you're doing so well out there in Colorado. And uh, I'm glad that you guys are all healthy and safe. 
Uh, I thank you for allowing me to, I think your show is actually the show that I've guested on the most out of everything. Uh, wow. So I, I am humbled that you continue to welcome me back and that you've been a part of our journey. Uh, it's been, we, I mean, obviously you, you've got a long storied career with that, but as a side project, Mega Dads is certainly not a day job, but I've put a lot of years into it and to have met folks like you who have helped and supported and guided us and provided um, exposure and insight. It's it's always a treat to talk with you. So I appreciate that. And thank you so much for talking with me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you uh, for for all the generous generosity you've shown with your time uh, for me as well. We love having you on my show and I love chatting with you. So this has been a delight. Thanks.